going on, everybody? Welcome back to the Hills of Silent Podcast, where we like to stab, 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 next slice, and stab the dead body for good measure. Anyway, where we like to chop it up, slice it up about the games of yesterday, today, and tomorrow. I'm Two-Tone the Artist. And I'm Mitch the Peach. Got three smoking hot topics coming right out the barrel of our gun for you today. And without further ado, Mitch, let's jump into it. So yeah. I heard that Persona 3 Reloaded dropped. And uh, the, for those who don't know, that is like the full-blown remake of Persona 3, which originally released on the PlayStation 2 way back in the day, then was re-released as an updated version on the PS2 again way back in the day. Then it was re-released as another updated version on the PSP, and then now it's been re-released as another updated version just a few days ago. Whew! Okay, I think we got through that. I've never played any of the Persona 3 versions. Mitch, I'm assuming this is your first time touching Persona 3 in any uh, incarnation. It is, yeah. Um, This is my first time with Persona 3, and... It is not disappointed in the slightest. Yeah, before this, I played a little bit of Persona 4 Golden, which like now it's like I want to go back to that and completely finish that one now because I am I am sucked in again to the Persona universe. And, and you beat the course, fifth one too, right? Persona 5? Uh, yes, the first one I ever played was the fifth one because I was doing my research around what Persona was and everything because it really seemed up my alley, which come to find out it very much is. Um, and they're like, hey, you can start wherever you want. Our recommendation is, hey, just go with the newest one because, like, it, it is the most full-fledged. It has a ton of content. Um, and, like, the, the stories don't – they're all different in each one of them. So, and, you know, they do a good job of explaining what personas are. And you don't really have to jump in at, uh, you know, the first game or, or anything like that. So, yeah, I put over 100 hours into the fifth one and beat it once upon a time. And uh, yeah, that was the quickest 100 hours I think I've ever put into a video game because it was, I was addicted from the start. Cause you know me and my Japanese RPGs, like I love the loop of like leveling up characters and building, you know, social relationships and doing all the things that you do in RPGs. Yeah, and that one, that was you playing through just Persona 5, right? Not the updated re-release Persona 5 Royal. It was That's just right. the base game. Yeah. Just the base Persona 5 was over 100 hours, and I so I have not played Royal, and I mean, it's it's hard to justify going back and doing a game over again just for a little... I mean, they did add a, a decent amount of content into it, don't get me wrong, but I think I got the experience that I needed with just playing the base game. There's so many games out there, I can't go... I can't justify going back and now playing the Royal uh, version. Uh, so I settled with Persona 3 Reload, which honestly really got me back into the Persona verse and excited to keep playing these and, and hoping that they come out with another uh, mainline Persona game. I know they've been doing a lot of like spinoffs with Persona Tactics, which is more of a tactics game that I have not touched yet. Um, and then and Persona Strikers, stuff. which is more That's of right. like an action hack and slash game. They really saw the the success of the, I guess, the characters and the world they created in Persona 5. And then they're like, hey, why don't we just spin off and make different types of games and just use those same characters? Which, I mean, it it seems like it's worked. Um, but yeah. I'm ready for a new cast of characters because uh, 
you know, I, I, I played Persona 5 so long ago, and, like, I, I, like, don't get me wrong, I love the characters in that, but, you know, I'm ready for something new. Yeah, and Persona, the series really got on my radar when the fourth game came out, because that, that really blew up in popularity in the U.S., even though this is an old, long-running series that I think originated on the PlayStation 1. Yes. So... That's awesome, man. I am going to live vicariously through you and have you let me know about these 100-hour RPGs because yeah. I'm sure eventually I'll play Persona 3 just like I played Persona 5. But, um, yeah, I'm not going to sink the entire 100 hours to get all the way through the end. So I'll just have to wait till you finish it and know how the story wrapped up and how everything really was. But what were your first impressions on it? And how many hours are you in to Persona 3 Reloaded right now? I'm about 45 hours into Persona 3 Reload, and it is, it's actually a shorter game than Persona 5. It is, oh, yeah? I mean, but it's hard to not be a shorter game than Persona 5. It's about, I think they, I was looking it up, it's about 65, 70 hours to beat. Okay, you're nearing uh, the end then. Yeah, I, I looked. Uh, I mean, I'm going through the bosses right now, and they keep saying, "Oh, you've got one left. You've got one left." But I mean, they could draw it out for hours till I actually get to that boss. Um, so yeah, I've burned through it pretty fast. I mean, once I get into that that gameplay loop that is the that is Persona, it's hard to get out of it. Um, it, it is a very addicting loop, but. Uh, really enjoying it though. I mean, obviously, I've, I'm I'm burning through the, the game really quick, and um, I want to say I, I know kind of what we want to talk about is to compare it from Persona 3 Reload compared to Persona 5. They actually did add some features into Persona 3 Reload that they did not have in Persona 3 Portable on the PSP, and then um, just Persona 3 the base version. So. I want to say that for people that are interested in playing Persona 3 Reload that have maybe played Persona 5 or maybe haven't played any of them, Persona 3 Reload is actually like a very light version of Persona 5 in many ways. So I think it's actually a really good starting point for people that might feel overwhelmed with the 100 plus hours and so much to do and just um, almost an overwhelming amount of like things to to think about and have to learn in the persona verse so i guess to start off um you build social you know you have a social stat that you do when you're not in these dungeons and doing the whole dungeon crawl um jrpg level grinding and in persona 3 reload funny enough you only have three social stats you have charm you have courage and you have academics whereas in persona 5 you actually have five social stats so it's like you're already having to not worry as much about your day-to-day -day life while you're not dungeon crawling. So, for instance, like each day in Persona, it, during the daytime, you have free reign to build relationships with people and to build up your social stats, which sometimes gives you the ability to build relationships with other people. So only having to worry about three of them, I, you know, I it's a little easier to manage as far as like, okay, on this day, I'm going to go to the coffee shop and work. Cause if I do that, I'm going to, I can buff both my, um, I can both buff both my courage stats and my charm stat or something like that. And in persona five, it, it's a lot more to manage when you have five of those social stats. And so persona three also has 
when we go into the night, obviously there are the nighttime in Persona 3 and Persona 5 is more of the dungeon time. That's when you can actually go into the dungeons and start, you know, making your way through basically the main scenario of the game. And in Persona 3 Reload, it's just one continuous dungeon of randomized floors. And then there's like bosses along the way that you fight on these randomized floors. So there's no there's no different structures. You're always going to this one area, which is the school that you go to. But at night, it turns into this big dungeon. In Persona 5, each one is a unique building that you are going to. And it is way more massive as far as like how you are how you're moving about these dungeons and the boss that you are fighting. So in Persona 5, you're not only, you know, running into monsters that you have to attack and, you know, you also are facing against obstacles like puzzles and um, other unique mechanics that are in these dungeons that Persona 3 Reload doesn't have. A lot of the things in Persona 3 Reload is just you just going up a floor running around, finding monsters, and then going up to the next floor. Whereas Persona 5, these dungeons are like vast, unique. They have bosses on each of them that are very, very different. And each are like voice acted and they are, whereas Persona 3, like a lot of the monsters are very repetitive and not as much unique as Persona 5. So when I say a light version, like everything is I guess there's just not as much detail into it as there is in Persona 5, which I think is fine. I mean, Persona 5 does a great job of like every single monster that you face in each in the dungeon is going to be different than the last. But in Persona 3 Reload, sometimes even if you go up to a certain like a certain number of floors, you'll still run into monsters that you saw on like the first or second floor, but they they're different than the other one, but they just have the same design to them, I guess, is the thing. Which, I mean, that's totally fine. Um, there's still a ton of content in the game. Obviously, it's 60-plus hours. There's a, lo there's a lot to go over. Um, so, yeah, it, it, it's a very much a light version. And, and basically, I think another thing uh, that I want to go over is that Atlas learned to... Atlas is the, the developer, but they... Uh, they learn to be a bit more mainstream appropriate as well in Persona 5 <laughs> compared to Persona 3. So basically, for people that don't have never played Persona, you have to awaken your Persona to bring it to life and have it attack the other monsters that are in the dungeons. In order for you to do that in Persona 3, you legitimately have to put a gun to your head and pull the trigger and then the persona awakens and you can fight with the persona. So it's a bit, it was a bit strange and threw me off at first in Persona 3 Reload to see something like that. Because I feel like in now in mainstream society, that's, you know, that's a it's a bit frowned upon, I guess, with high schoolers putting guns to their head and pulling the trigger. Yeah, man. They can't handle it. People today can't handle the brutality. No. So in Persona 5, they completely did away with that. There is there is no like action to do that. That the personas just come out like without you having to do it, a, anything. So, um, 
yeah, I mean, obviously they they in Persona 3 Reload they do like I don't know if they added this for Reload, but they they do like say, hey, the gun is not loaded. There's nothing in here. You know, this is just the action of doing, of of awakening the Persona. I'm sure they added that in for this Reload remake. It probably wasn't in the original. Anyway, if anybody knows, any listeners, let us know. Did they have that warning in the original game? Yeah, so to, to tie it all up and kind of wrap a bow around this, um, Persona 3 Reload is, you know, it's an it's amazing game. It's an amazing jumping off point. It is, you know, the gameplay loop is the, the exact same as Persona 5. During the day, you have the ability to build relationships with the characters that are in the world, and it's important to build those relationships because each one of those people are tied to one of the persona archetypes. So they could be, there's a bunch of archetypes within within both Persona 5 and Persona 3. So for, for instance, there's like, I don't know, Tower, there's Hanged, there's Death, there's Lover, there's um I don't know, there's a there's a ton of other ones that are just like, but each there's always a character within the world of Persona that is that archetype that you want to build relationships with. Because when you build relationships with them, you get more powerful personas because of your relationship with said person. Which I think that's totally a metaphor for real life. Because it's like the more people you know and interact with in life, they do have an effect on your personality or your persona. And I also liked in Persona 5, they talk about how your persona is kind of the alternate you that you can express yourself in <clears throat> to tone the artist eh? and it could be my persona <laughs> i suppose but yeah when i was playing through persona 5 and they were explaining all that stuff i was like damn this is deep man they're like really going into human psychology here and in socialization and they do a way better job of that in persona 5 than 3 because um, like in persona 5 like i was actually just watching cutscenes before we got on the podcast because i was just i hadn't seen persona 5 in a while and i was curious but like there is a full-fledged cutscene of like you know the the internal battle that this person is going through to awaken their persona and you know and getting over you know whatever hardship that they have in their life to you know bring out this persona that can help them and you know guide them and so it is really freaking deep, and yeah. uh, they do a really good job with those animated cutscenes in Persona 5, and I do miss that because in there are some cutscenes in uh, P3 Reload, but it's it's nothing compared to like the the deepness and the really they really you know put a lot of detail into the Persona 5 ones for each character that awakens. Um, yeah, pretty crazy. Nice. All right, man. Any last words on the Persona games you've been playing? No, I mean it, it's it's so hard to to bring all the detail and say it all in a you know in an hour long podcast that we're only devoting a specific amount of time to. There's there's just so much in it that I haven't even explained. But um, for those who really want to play a Persona game, you are totally fine jumping off with Persona Three Reload or Persona Five or even Persona Four Golden. I mean, I I think it, they're all charming in their own ways. They all have like. I have to give a shout out to their music though, because the music is fantastic. It's one of the things that just drew me in right away to those games. Cause oh my gosh, like even during work, I, I found that Atlas has a whole artist playlist on Spotify. And I just jammed to that music while I'm working. Cause it's all instrumental stuff for the most part, but like, it's like really like boppy instrumental stuff. So I'm just kind of jamming while I'm working and yeah, I don't know. Great series, great games. 
play them, give them a try. Even if you don't sink all the hours into them, just, just experience them and see how they are. Yeah. All right, man, next up. So this has been in the news recently that Microsoft has announced that some Xbox exclusives, and I use that loosely, are now becoming unexclusives. Or in other words, they're putting them on other platforms. So Mitch, I think you've got the list of yeah. what is being released on other platforms, because they did announce that. They did eventually come out and say, hey, and these are the specific games that we're gonna put on PS5 or Nintendo Switch, so on and so forth. So yeah, I'll let you elaborate on that. Yeah, before I jump into the exact games, uh, there were I was following on Twitter or X. Um, I'll never call it X. It's just going to be Twitter to me. But um, a lot there was a lot of heavy rumors from uh, from game journalists that I respect and follow, basically saying, you know, hey, like Xbox is going to be bringing console exclusives over to PlayStation. They they don't even nobody cares about Nintendo Switch apparently because like. The people were fired up, like social media, fired up because they're bringing it to PlayStation. Like, what? What the heck? Like, what, why would they do such a thing? Xbox is dead. They're never going to create another console again. They're just going to port all their games over to PlayStation and stop making consoles without having like any background information or anything as to why they were doing it or um, the benefits of doing something like that. So I, I thought it was interesting see, seeing the rumors come out first, um, which actually prompted Phil Spencer, who's the lead at uh, Xbox, to release a tweet and say, hey, we're going to talk about this next week during uh, during our, our regularly scheduled like conference that they had. Because um, I think it was like the Xbox podcast that they talk about it. Um, he's like, just just hold tight. Like, it's it's going to be fine kind of thing. Trying to like tone down the the, the Xbox fanboys who are who are really having a tough time uh, grasping uh, the rumors that were out there. So rolls around and the Xbox podcast is released. And basically the rumors were true that uh, Xbox is going to bring some of their quote unquote exclusives to PlayStation and Nintendo Switch. And those four uh, and I played three of the four, and I want to play the fourth one. But uh, the first one that I've not played is Pentiment. The second is Grounded. The third is Sea of Thieves, which is probably one of my favorite, you know, ongoing updated games. Uh, and then Hi-Fi Rush, which was probably one of my favorite games I played in 2023, period. So some pretty heavy hitters that, um, you know, were, were console exclusives for for a time, but um, I don't know. I, I want to get your thoughts, Mike, but I want to talk about, I guess, the benefits of doing this because I think it's great for the Xbox community to be able to play games anywhere they want. I get frustrated when I have to buy a PlayStation 5 to play the upcoming Final Fantasy 7, you know, Rebirth, I think is what's called, the, the, the second chapter of Final Fantasy 7. And you know, I, I just I have two. I have an Xbox and I have a PC. And now I have to get a PlayStation Five just so I can play like a couple games. Like I, I think it's good for gamers to, especially us on budgets, to not have to, you know, have every single console available. And I also think it's good for these games. Period. A lot of these are live service games. Like Grounded is a live service game. Sea of Thieves is a live service game. And. I think if there's more players that are playing these types of games, these games are going to have longer lifespans 
more updates, more content, and they aren't going to be abandoned, you know, as quick, you know, as the player base drops. You were smiling, Mike. What, what, what were you seeing over there? This Pentiment game looks weird, man. <laughs> yeah. The art style is goofy, but it looks... I, I have to play it, though, just because it's just... It's so interesting. Yeah, there was a scene in the trailer where... Uh... This couple was getting it on, and then a nun walked in the room, and the nun was like, what are you doing? <laughs> I, uh... I think uh, Cousin Druby, who is a uh, fan of the pod, he uh, he has played through that one and has told me it is worth my time, so I'm going to have to get to it at some point. Yeah, never even never even heard of this one. I will say this, like all this, this fuss about this, and all these games are on Steam, so it's not... I yeah, don't know I when they released all these on Steam, but they weren't necessarily Xbox exclusives to begin with. They were just console exclusives. But, I mean, there's a lot of us that at least own a con one console and a PC. So, like, it doesn't really, I don't know, it doesn't phase us to the point where, like, we... I've never been, like, a fanboy who is, like you know team xbox all the way like you know you can't you can't do anything on playstation like there's no point of having that like i, I don't know i just want to play games if they're good i don't care where they are <laughs> yeah and really the feel of consoles being like very individual is kind of going away like i remember playstation 1 and nintendo 64 completely different vibe playing those two consoles oh, yeah. controller was completely different the way the graphics displayed was completely different. They each had their own look to it. And then the PlayStation 2, Xbox, and GameCube, those three consoles had a, a pretty distinct vibe. And then we got the Xbox 360 and the PlayStation 3 where things were slowly starting to become more uh, uniform, I guess to say. And then the PlayStation 4 and Xbox One, I mean, those consoles are practically interchangeable. I mean, obviously their operating systems and their menus are different, but both of those consoles had largely the same library with the, just a small subset of exclusives and then here we are with ps5 and xbox series x and pc and i mean it's just other than some minor differences it's just slowly going to just everything being so uniform these days so yeah it's kind of it's it's i think in my opinion the console fanboying should kind of be going away at this point because there's really yeah there's not a whole lot you know not a lot a whole lot of dedicated things per console and uh um, there's also just not a lot of exclusives i mean i feel like this generation of consoles yeah. i there has not been that many console exclusives for both playstation and xbox for the most part if we're gonna go you know go there i mean they've been talking about already going to the next generation of consoles when they haven't released any games for the current one exactly uh, and another thing I, I, let, let me go back one i i wanted you you talk about like the uh you know going back to like the playstation one versus the n64 i remember as a kid like uh my buddies and i are in the backyard hanging out and we're you know we read our our mag our gamer magazines and we're like, okay, guys, like, well, which one are you going to get? Is it going to be the, the the Xbox? Microsoft's bringing this new Xbox. Is it going to be that? The PlayStation 2? Or is it going to be the GameCube? Like, we had a group of friends that were, like, duking it out, trying to be like, all right, which one's going to be the one that we have to all get? Like, we had to, like, choose which one to... And that was just a big thing that I remember as far as, like, 
the real start to the to to me as a as a kid the uh, I guess the battle of the consoles, but like, um, yeah, they were all very different in their own way. And I mean, yeah, I think the only one really trying to be unique anymore is Nintendo. Yeah, and that's where that Nintendo tax comes in with everything that they do. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I, th- I think it's great that these games are coming on new consoles. It seems to be, like it used to be, an exclusive was forever locked on that console. But now, with advances in the internet and just technology in general, stuff just keeps constantly getting re-released. Like, even games on the last generation are re-released on this generation as quote-unquote remasters. And Microsoft's probably looking at it like, everybody that's going to buy this game on Xbox has already bought it. And I'm sure sales of these games have begun to stagnate. So it is wise at that point to, okay, we've already tapped into our entire Xbox audience Let's now tap into the PC game audience or the Nintendo Switch audience or the PlayStation audience. So it almost does make more sense to do like timed exclusives. Well, it kind of leans into what I say, too, because like obviously for Grounded and Sea of Thieves, for instance, these are live service games. Like these are games that are like continually going on, updating, putting new content in. Like you want as many people as you can buying that in-game content. Like I know in Sea of Thieves... There's a there's a battle pass. There's like a ton of stuff that you can get to like soup up your ship if you want to really like put like actual money into it. That after purchasing the game, like Microsoft is smart. They they want more people to be able to, you know, to not only purchase the game but also purchase in-game content that you know they get a kickback on. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I think before we move on, though, we do want to give a shout out again to the the limited run folks who oh, yeah. uh, really took advantage of this situation. Um, they act for Pentiment and Hi-Fi Rush. They are uh, they're releasing a uh, a limited time uh, physical uh, copies of uh, of those two games, which I'm pretty excited about because I'm going to pick up Hi-Fi Rush most definitely because it was one of my favorite, if not my favorite game I played in 2023. Um, and the cool thing is with those physical games, like Mike always says, I think I looked at Pentiment's price and it was like thirty-five bucks if I if I wanted to, if I wanted the physical copy of that. And uh, I mean, I think that's pretty reasonable for something that's really a limited supply. Yeah, um, absolutely, man. I'm always praising limited run. Yeah, it takes a while to get your game, but you know, you're gonna get something you can keep forever, play forever, and it's typically pretty cheap when you get it off off of their site or through them. Yeah, exactly. All right, man. Any last words on these unexclusives? No. Play games where you want to play games. I hope every game gets ported to every console and PC. (laughs) Yeah. And I appreciate that Sony is slowly bringing stuff to PC. Like, they've brought over, like, God of War. um, The Last of Us, I think. The Last of Us. What's the other one with the like the robot Uncharted. dinosaurs? Oh, uh, uh, robot! Oh, um, holy crap! You know what I'm talking about? Uh, Her- Horizon. Uh, yes, Horizon Zero Dawn and Forbidden West. Yeah, um, Forbidden West and Zero Dawn. Yep. And then Days Gone, and I think even Uncharted got PC release, right? I think there was a PC release with Uncharted. Yeah. Okay, but yeah, so they're at least stuff- four. 
I think they need to bring more stuff to PC because I'm really trying to play that Demon Souls remake that came out on PlayStation 5. And I think there's a few other exclusives on PS5 that I wanted to check out. I mean, we just talked about last week. We would love to play uh, the new Silent Hill short, uh, the short letter. Yeah, or that. Short message. And did they bring Spider Man to PC? They brought the first Spider-Man to PC, but I don't believe the second one has reached there yet. I think they're really lagging behind on these newer ones. Like the second God of War that they released is not yeah. on PC yet. And that was released quite a while ago. Um, but it's the same situation. Though. Like, I, th- I think it's kind of an intentional timed exclusive. Like, yeah, go ahead and generate that hype. Like, yeah, I have to get a PS5 to play this game. And then once you've exhausted that audience, then you'll bring it to a new platform to open it up to a new audience just don't have the space for another console like currently like in my living room i have a xbox 360 hooked up a wii u hooked up an xbox series x hooked up and a playstation 4 i guess i could sub out the playstation 4 for the playstation 5 but those things are beefy and i don't think it can fit where i where i put my playstation 4 currently so yeah for me man modern games if i'm playing any modern games it's just on pc like yeah. <clears throat> i've kind of gotten to a point like i'm not going to keep buying all these consoles but I can just buy one PC that, for the most part, can play these PlayStation exclusives that are being brought to yeah. PC or play these Xbox exclusives that are being brought to PC. And then I can just upgrade that PC as opposed to having to completely replace it every so many years. And I forever buy Xbox consoles just because like, I love being able to play on my couch in my living room and I can hook my Xbox up and that that's my dedicated space to play in that. But I can also with obviously with with Game Pass, I can stream, you know, PC Game Pass on my PC here, as well as even on my console. If I just turn on my console, I can stream what I'm doing on my console onto my PC. If, for instance, you know, I want to like stream on Twitch and it's only a game that I can play on my console because I have a disc of it. Um, So I I feel like I have a lot of um, a lot of outlets with with the Microsoft ecosystem, so um, I guess that's yeah. where I stand. But yeah, it helps when the the person making the console also is making the operating system on your computer. I do like yep. that uh, interconnectivity, which goes back quite a while because I remember the Xbox 360. You could connect it to your computer and your Windows Media Center. I don't know if anybody remembers yeah. Windows Media Center because it's kind of been replaced by some other media player now in the newer windows uh but anyway yeah you could do that you could like stream movies and music to your xbox 360 in the living room through that i never used it but it was still cool that it was possible i just thought about that uh, anyway I loved, I loved burning cds to my original xbox or my 360 like you could like upload your burnt discs to that so you like could like just hit play and play your music from your OG Xbox or 360. So, you know, I'm playing some Halo 2, but I got my playlist going on. And yeah, you know, man. I thought that was Cust- the coolest thing. Custom uh, custom soundtracks, which I wouldn't be surprised if that still exists today. Like, I, I don't know. I mean, you're you're the one with the Xbox Series X. Can you, like, play your Spotify on your Xbox yeah. in the background while you're playing your games? You sure can. Yeah, you can actually, while you're playing your game, you can. The cool thing is, I mean, we're going to get off a tangent, but, like, um, you can open Spotify the app on the Xbox, but if you have it open already and you like go back to your game and you don't want to keep switching back from Spotify app to game, you can actually open your phone and you can your phone will recognize that you're playing music from your Xbox and you can just switch the songs or playlists from your phone. Dang. 
Man. which is like the, I thought the coolest thing ever because like I don't have to like switch between the app on my Xbox. I can literally just say, oh, I, I'm going to switch song. I'll hit next on my phone. And that's all I got to do. Man, technology today. Like you said, Super back cool. in the day, we used to have to, first of all, we used to actually have to have the stuff on disc, whether it was the actual CD or a burn disc. Then we had to pop it into our original Xbox, rip the disc which took a while and then do that with like yeah. our whole CD collection to get a nice playlist on the Xbox and then you'd be able to play your custom soundtrack along with your game. Meanwhile, I put like 20 viruses on my family computer trying to get all those songs from LimeWire or Napster or whatever. Oh <laughs> whatever my, illegal. yeah, your guys' <laughs> computer was the worst. Oh, I remember going over there and trying to use your computer and it would take like 20 minutes just to load, to even start. You turn the computer on, log in, and then so many like adware, viruses, Trojans were trying to load all at startup at the same time that it just brought the computer to its knees, just to a crawl. Mm -hmm. And and your dad knew I was good with computers. So he's like, yeah, I think we got a couple of viruses. Can you... Can you clean the computer up and get it running fast again? And I was like, yeah, because I would do that at home or do that for other yeah. people. But you guys had so much, so many viruses. I was like, in order to like run any type of virus remover, I have to be able to get past the login screen. And I couldn't even do that with your computer. And I think I tried and tried and tried. And then finally, I just came downstairs and told your dad, like, you know, it's, it's a lost cause. That computer's gone. Oh yeah. man, yeah, that's I a good segue into that. our final topic, though. Uh, speaking of you and fixing things, yeah. All right, I'll run through this one quick, but uh, I do have a nice story. So, this, I guess, I'll start from the very beginning, because this is uh, this goes farther back. So, in 2019, I had just graduated college. And then I was staying at an apartment with my mom. And when I went to the dumpster to take the trash out, because, you know, there's like a big compactor, typically at apartment complex, complexes, there was a box for a brand new TV laying against the dumpster. And then there was a different TV laying against that box. And they had the, the cord there, had the controller there. So it basically was indicating that this person had bought a new TV to replace their old TV. And, and actually the night before, there was a huge thunderstorm. So I suspect that that thunderstorm probably fried that TV or knocked out that TV. So they just replaced it. So as I mentioned, I just graduated college and in my last semester for my embedded systems class, I literally built a robot. So I was like high on confidence when it came to electronics. And I was like, you know what? I bet you I could repair this TV. So I ran home, got my car, went back to the, the dumpster and loaded in, into my car. It was, it was a 65 inch TV, it was huge, it was a Samsung. I looked it up on my phone, it was less than a year old and it was like a real expensive model. TV was so big, I couldn't even shut the door to my car. So I'm driving back to my apartment with the door open and this big TV hanging halfway out of my car. I get home, bring it inside. My mom's like, whoa, where'd you get this TV from? I was like, before you get too excited, it doesn't work. 
but I'm going to try to repair it. So for the next like week and a half, I just learned everything I could about what are the common things that go wrong in TVs, how do you repair them, what are the symptoms. I watched YouTube videos, went through TV repair forums, uh, just familiarized myself with flat screen TVs in and out, just what are all the components and stuff. So for the next couple of weeks, uh, I was trial and error trying to get this TV working. And then one day, my mom was out doing something, uh, probably running some errands or something, and I got it working. The TV came on, boom. I was like celebrating, like I did it. I fixed this TV. And I was excited. I wanted to show off to my mom that like, hey, I fixed this TV. So I had it, had a movie going and had it uh, set up. And then she comes in and she's like, oh my gosh, you got it working. Like, congratulations, that's so awesome. I was like, yep, it's working now. And that week, was Mother's Day. So I said, yep, it's working now, and here's your new TV. So I ended up giving it to my mom for Mother's Day. And she was so excited. We went out, she got a TV stand, I set it all up, and that TV has been her living room TV for the past, you know, going on five years. Well, just a few months ago, it started, started going out again. So the bottom half of the screen had gone dark. But just from what I remembered from all the TV repair stuff that I had, had researched, that typically means that the LED strips that are in the back of the TV that illuminate the picture mm-hmm. have burnt out. And that's not that big of a deal. That's, you, can, you can replace those. So my mom knows, you know, I got a full-time job now, family life, a lot of stuff going on. She's like, you're really busy now. You know, don't worry about it. I don't need you to try to fix it. I'll take it to a repair shop or something. And, I'll, and I was like, no, 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 no. I'll fix it. I'll fix it. Just let me find the time. And of course, I did not get around to it. Weeks went by. Uh, I think my mom did contact a repair shop. And first of all, a repair shop's going to charge you like 350 bucks to do that repair or something along those lines. And then my mom would mm-hmm. have to find some way to get it there and then bring it back. Like it would have been a huge hassle to have a repair shop do it anyway. And then the guy, the repair shop guy, told her that he couldn't even do the repair. He's like, how big is the TV, 65 inch? That's too big. We'll probably end up, you know, there's a high chance we'll end up breaking the screen trying to remove it. Uh, which I'll come back to that because that's, that's complete BS. That's not true. I think he just didn't want to bother with the repair job yeah, or whatever. What For thinking. whatever reason, he was just making up some excuse. Um, so anyway, one week I was like, man, I really need to um to look into repairing this tv and then I, I went to visit my mom that weekend and it was super bowl weekend so and of course they have all these tv sales around super bowl so she ended up just buying a new tv and replacing it yeah so she's like don't worry about it. she got a tv the same size i think it was like 400 dollars uh real nice tv so just a little more than what she would have paid to have somebody repair it and then she got a brand new one uh which is which the new one was 4K, whereas the old one that I repaired was 1080p. So it was an upgrade through and through. So I went over there, I removed the old TV, and then put her new TV up on the stand for her. But, I mean, I was still determined to repair this thing. Like, I'm not just going to throw it out. That's a 65-inch TV, and I've been meaning to put a large TV in my basement. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I, I brought it home, 
and I was like, I'm still gonna repair this. So I ordered the, the LED LED lights for it. Uh, I ordered these suction cups because in order to take the the screen out of the frame, if if you're just doing it by hand, yeah, you li- you likely are gonna shatter it because you're trying to pull out a huge piece of glass that's all flimsy. Yeah. But you can get these uh, these real cheap suction cups that it's the same thing they use for like replacing windows. For yeah, pick- it's just for picking up panes of glass, like through and through, mm-hmm. whether it's a TV or a window. So I ordered some of those, and my mom had lost the remote for the TV, but I was able to find the exact remote for like ten bucks. So all in all, tools included, it was one hundred and twenty bucks. So this past weekend, I was like, all right, I'm gonna do this. I had YouTube videos pulled up. There wasn't repair videos for the exact same TV, but it's kind of all the same concept, repairing those LED yeah. strips. And the video was like 15 minutes long. So I was like, and it, obviously it was a professional who's done it a bunch of times. So like if this guy could do it in 15 minutes, I can do it in like maybe twice that, maybe half an hour, 45 minutes. Well, that was not the case. Cause as always, every time I go to repair something, everything goes wrong, stuff, screws are stripped stuff doesn't come apart right there's some extra cord or latch that's not in the video that i don't know what it goes to and it's just like (laughs) anyway it ended up taking me two and a half hours but i completely disassembled the tv i've probably got the footage up on the b-roll now the tv completely taken apart all around my basement and uh of course instead of just replacing only the bad leds i went ahead and replaced all of them because the last thing i want to do is replace the two bad strips and then three months later the other ones burn out and i got to take the tv all apart again so it's got all right. brand new leds put everything back together and that that pane of, that pane of glass did not break it was so easy right. to take out with those suction cups and set to the side so if that guy was quote unquote a professional tv repairman i don't know what he was talking about saying that the, the glass was potentially going to break it was there was no issue anyway got it all plugged back back in Bam, came right on. Picture was nice and bright and beautiful. And uh, yeah, went out that night, got a like cheap wall mount. And now it's hanging up in uh, in my basement, which the is man slowly cave. becoming the man cave. It's hanging hanging right above my, my CRT TV. So I got the old CRT TV and then nice. this big, beautiful 65 inch above it. There you go. And uh, yeah, it's only 1080p, but as I've said before, like I don't know if it's just because I'm getting old, my eyes aren't as good, but honestly, I really cannot make out that much of a difference between a 1080p TV, 4K TV, 8K. Like, it's very, yeah, it's, it's hard for me to see. So I'm totally fine with it being a 1080p TV, especially since basically I got it for 120 bucks because that's what it costs for me to repair and get it working. And I think we talked about off off pod but like there's not a lot of content that is above 1080p unless you want to pay for like the 4k streaming on netflix or you know extra fees that you know with your cable i can give you maybe a couple 4k channels but you know for the most part a lot of stuff still is 1080p yep very true so yeah exactly to the point like 1080 people want to act like 1080p TVs are just worthless now. And it's like, nah, dude, I remember I only upgraded to a 4K in 2017. But prior to that, for years, I had a 720p TV. And I love that thing. And I remember going from a CRT TV to that 720p, like 40 inch flat screen, and just being like, (gasps) 
oh my god, it, the clarity yeah. and colors are insane. Like, it's never going to get better than this. And so, yeah, it, it kind of goes back to your own mentality. Like, it's just because there's something newer and better out there does not mean that everything before it just immediately becomes obsolete. Like, obviously, right. like, if the whole world ended and there was all that was left was a 720p TV and all the 4K TVs were broken, I'd survive, man. I'd still watch my movies on that or play my games on that. So Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and as you mentioned before, you're like, it's almost, <clears throat> at this point, it's almost like colors and stuff are more, you know, HDR yeah, and it, stuff like that has a larger impact than going from like 4K to 8K. Like, it's more discernible to the human eye. Yeah, as you know, I, as the podcast knows, like I upgraded to my LG that I got uh, about you know last summer, and yeah, the thing that it's not the you know the, the enhanced 4K that I noticed, it's it's the color popping from the HDR. Like when I was talking about playing Resident Evil 2 on it, um, the remake, like just seeing the colors pop on like you know the the lights, like police car lights. I'm like, holy crap! Like that's what really gets you more than. There's not really that aha moment like you had from like when you went from a CRT TV to a 720p yeah. like LCD or something like that. It's not that big a jump anymore. So, yeah, yeah. it's uh, totally fine with the 1080p. Yeah, agreed. Anyway, that was my TV repair story. Uh, Mitch, you have any problems with your TV? Let me know. I'll uh, see if I can help you out. Yeah. But uh, that should do it for this episode. Thank you, everybody, for tuning in. Thanks again if you made it all the way to the end. Uh, you can find our episodes on YouTube, Spotify, Apple Podcasts. Where else are we at, Mitch? Yep, our Twitter is at Hills Are Silent. Our Instagram is Instagram backslash Hills Are Silent. Our TikTok is at the Hills Are Silent Podcast. And our YouTube, again, is at the Hills Are Silent. If you have any questions, comments, anything, hit us up on our uh, Spotify comments, our YouTube comments, or our email inbox, hillsaresilent at gmail.com. And as always, we will catch you on the next episode.